It's July 16, 2017. You're listening to the Fancy Roman Podcast. I'm Neil. I'm Cookie. And I'm Scott. <laughs> and the track we opened with is called Simple and Clean, specifically the Ray of Hope mix from Kingdom Hearts HD 2.8. Cookie, why are we listening to this particular song? Because the hype train for Kingdom Hearts has arrived, and I'm jumping on 100%. I kind of... So, Summer Games Done Quick happened. We kind of missed it. Didn't realize it was going on when it was going on. Otherwise, we probably would have mentioned it in the last podcast. But since then, I've watched a couple of games get beat. I watched a speed run of Kingdom Hearts 2 and was like, oh, that was nice. I kind of missed this game. And then today, this morning, actually, a new trailer came out for Kingdom Hearts 3. And it got me super stoked. So this morning after watching that trailer i decided to go ahead and play kingdom hearts 2.8 hd remix whatever blah 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 something something final chapter reverse cover x plot ninety six thousand secret chapter the one where you're using aqua <laughs> and Wait, i beat so, it so you beat the whole game or just the extra content that came with it technically the whole game because it was a standalone game. Was it a... Did you, did you beat it with the knowledge you gained from watching the speedrun? No. Okay, it was, so it so was, it was a, a completely play. Completely different game, actually. Oh, okay. okay. So I watched Kingdom Hearts 2, but there's an extra chapter in Kingdom Hearts 2.8 that's actually a prequel to Kingdom Hearts. So it's like a prequel. It happens somewhere in between... Kingdom Hearts before Kingdom Hearts and right at the end of Kingdom Hearts. So if anyone's actually played Kingdom Hearts besides me at the end of part one, when Riku is closing the door to the realm of darkness, you see Mickey holding a keyblade, like his silhouette. They actually pay homage to that scene. And it makes sense as to why he's shirtless in that scene, like way back in the day, because you never see him shirtless in this entire series. But for this one scene, he like his just shirt got out gets of a, singed off, and now he's quite literally singed off. Quite literally, I'm all in. 2018. Let's go. Let's get it. Can't get here soon enough. Yeah, with, with the amount of promotional content we've seen at this point, because we also got something a couple days before E3, fully expecting like a big full trailer or teaser to come out during TGS this year. I think it might be safe to say it's 2018. Yeah. And yeah. now we've just jinxed it. Pretty much. I'm all in. So currently, I have watched somebody beat Kingdom Hearts 2. I beat the prequel, prologue, chapter, final mix, blah, blah, blah. And I'm currently watching the theater mode of Kingdom Hearts 1. 
So where does this particular song come in? Is it one of the ending sequences or... Nope, beginning, title beginning? sequence. Okay, that's great because then we don't have to talk about spoilers too much. Light spoilers anyway, like, anyways, I guess. But Light spoilers of what? Kingdom Hearts? 2.8. Oh. I, 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 I can't explain that without like yeah, drawing yeah. a Venn diagram and... I, <laughs> I, yeah, I guess that makes sense because how are you supposed to be spoiled if you can't understand it anyways and if you do understand it you've probably played it yeah, yeah. oh my goodness so i will so it's s- heavy spoilers or bust at this point <laughs> i can't even say it's heavy spoilers it's you know when you're really deep into a show and you really like it and you try to explain it to your friend but you only explain it using like the real real deep stuff that no one will get unless you've dug in and understand it that's all this game yeah, is. Yeah, and then your friend loses interest because they're like, why are you trying to give me a history lesson on this thing that you started? Pretty much. And that is what this game is. Like, I understand the story now. I understand it. Like, it like tied up You just a had lot to play 2.8 and then it all came <laughs> together. Who would have known <laughs> that 2.8 was the absolute key? Eh. The keyblade to the story. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Like and and now I'm just like, oh, this totally makes sense as to why this 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 and this is going on. Sweet. Super stoked. And they kind of explained in the new trailer and are in 2.8. I'm not 100% sure which video I saw. Nope, it's 2.8. They explain why what's going on in 3 a little bit better. So now that you've accepted the hype train, are you ready to uh be disappointed and her treatment for it what acceptance is the first step to recovery oh. are we are we talking about recovery steps or are we talking about like the uh stages of death here like <laughs> acceptance is the end right that's kubler ross's fifth step so <laughs> cookie be careful with acceptance we don't want anything bad happening oh my acceptance will just come through and and then we won't see Kingdom Hearts until we see, I don't know, Half-Life 3? Why not? <laughs> oh, no. I There's a lot more uh, reason to believe that this is going to be coming out sooner than Half-Life 3. Like they've announced it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a really big step. So, Well, in Valve's defense, I think at this point, they never need to design another video game. Yeah, why would they waste their time designing a video game when they have everybody as a captive uh, consumer on Steam? They're amazing at designing clients, apparently, but what else have you been playing, Cookie? Haven't been playing much this week. Like I said, Summer Games Done Quick happened. So I also watched a speedrun of Zelda Breath of the Wild twice. Holding back on spoilers, are you able to just leave the plateau and go straight to the boss? Well, at least not in that run. So I've seen video footage of a glitch that allows you to leave the plateau without doing the thing. The glider. I, I think that much we can say without a spoiler tag. Okay, without yeah. getting the, the so glider. So there's a very specific thing you can do to get off the plateau and it not kill you and allow you to go without the glider. But that's not part of the speed run. Nope. Half of that speed run was quite literally getting the glider. So the glider's important mm-hmm. to the end game? The glider's a tutorial to get off. The- well, right, right. I, I get that. But why wouldn't you just do the glitch to get off the plateau to cut down your speed run time? Or is it, it is a this non-glitch like a glitch speed run? It was a non glitch speed run. Okay. 
technical note. They're, they're, they did have, like, negating fall damage. They've got a way to do infinite sprint. Oh, you negate fall damage just by getting your link to roll when you fall. It's a joke. Oh, okay. Because that's how you do it in every other game. Yeah, and, until it's too high up, and then Link, like, locks his knees when he lands. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what are you doing? <laughs> Just roll, man. Yeah, you've been rolling this whole time. The extra foot shouldn't cause you to, like, forget how to roll. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'm sure everyone who's played um, the... Ocarina of Time when you're jumping over the spider web, like if you miss, yeah, you mm. just lock your knees for whatever reason and, and die there with your only three hearts for your maximum health. <laughs> in the Deku tree? Uh yeah, in the in the Deku tree. Uh, the first dungeon in that game. I thought you could but always anyway, still roll by that point. Uh, yeah, sorry. It, uh, without getting Yeah, you topic. might be able to. It it is it has been a very long time since I've played it, but I do know that there are um, and maybe not particularly in that game, but there are heights in other Zelda games that the role does not do you any justice. Uh. Um, it is nice to see that they have the split between both the glitch speed run and the non-glitch because I, I really appreciate the non-glitch speed runs only because I, I also understand that glitching is sometimes very hard in a game and you have to be super precise. But seeing you know, seeing someone, you know, blow themselves up with a bomb so their character ends up in the right corner to take them off the map so they can move to a different spot. Like, it's very cool to see that. But it's not the way that I experience the game, I guess. And so seeing that done is interesting. But seeing people just do what I have done immensely fast and with really good, uh, I guess, like game mechanics is, is also, I think, really nice to see i i prefer that for sure basically what you're saying is it doesn't really compute to how you experience the game so it's like oh yeah that was cool i'm never going to be able to do that or right would never like, have oh the yeah desire. you could do that i guess if you want to negate the whole experience of the game and just blow yourself up in a cannon that shoots you all the way to ganon or something is that how they do it in the glitch run no, I have no idea. I don't. Do they have a glitch run? Like a glitch glitch run? Well, I imagine because I feel like half of the summer or half of the games done quick speed runs I've seen are glitch runs that yeah. involve something like I'm going to go into the menu while I'm pushing down. I think this is with Wind Waker. You go into some menu as you're pushing down and then you push up after you've gone out of the menu or maybe while you're still in the menu and it basically just makes Link jump horizontally huge distances based upon how long you hold down or forward or down or up nice so you don't even have to sail sometimes <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> now this one was a lot more okay i need to put a bomb here need to put a bomb here throw no i need to put a bomb here need to throw a bomb here perfect that bomb went off now i need to stasis this tree now i need to hit the tree a bunch then i need to blow up the bomb so now the tree is going to go flying in a specific direction i need to climb on top of the tree release the stasis and go flying with the tree oh yeah that's right those that's awesome that's really cool it's amazing there's this thing like they were talking about there was this trick that they learned that was relatively new so it was like one of the first times it was being done during a speed run they're like oh yeah this trick was found out like two weeks ago so you hit an enemy that's got a shield 
with the woodcutter's axe, de-equip the axe that you hit the enemy with, then you're able to take the shield off of the enemy without hitting him, and then you can just keep running. They're quite literally pickpocketing <laughs> enemies, and it's amazing. That's pretty sweet, pretty sweet. That, and I kind of watched um, Super Hot VR get beat real, real fast, and normal Super Hot. Yeah, I, I think I watched that exact same one. The last level involves jumping or vaulting onto like the ceiling or ceiling overhang, if you want to yeah. call it that. That that was actually a really impressive run. I just love the fact that they explain what they're doing during their runs. It kind of makes every kind of makes everything a lot more like, oh yeah, I understand what's going on rather than you know watching League of Legends. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Overwatch today. Watching Overwatch and seeing some amazing plays and someone just barf out gobbledygook. Yeah, Overwatch's spectator mode hasn't necessarily been great, but as you <laughs> as you uh, allude to, we'll talk about that soon enough. Besides that, I've I've been I got addicted to a show called Glow. Glow, Netflix Gorgeous. original. Ne- yep, Netflix original. Gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Scott, what do you think of Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling? I have seen the uh, preview for this on Netflix. I have not watched it though. And Sierra showed some marginal interest in it. So maybe I will see this. Do you and Lizzie like it? I'll preface it by this, Scott. Lizzie left home for one day. She was going somewhere and I had a couple of hours by myself. So I was like, I'm going to start like watching some new stuff that's out. So I kind of started, I watched the Fastest Finger anime and I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Then I tried out the Castlevania anime can can i take a guess here that you saw glow and when lizzie got back you're like halfway through the season no just four episodes in but so then after watching an episode of castlevania thinking okay that was pretty interesting Mm -hmm. so let me watch an episode of glow real fast and then four episodes later lizzie was coming home and i was like fuck i gotta start watching this with lizzie (laughs) that that does sound good then i'm interested and allison brie does not look like Allison Brie. Re- oh, I didn't know Allison Brie was in that. She's I the main character. Thought she was hilarious in Community. Really? Yep. I, I wasn't even paying attention. Maybe I didn't see her because she doesn't look like Allison Brie. She's got like certain scenes where the Allison Brie that you knew comes in, but otherwise she's very different looking. I was actually like Googling, me and Lizzie were Googling and comparing contrast pictures from her from Community versus her from Glow. You're just like, nah, man, these are two different people. Yeah, holy shit. I can't recognize, I don't recognize her at all. She lost a butt ton of weight, like a scary amount. Well, in her eyes, too, her eyes even look different. Exactly. It's called cocaine and meth. <laughs> oh, no, no. Her eyes are blue in community. I, are they blue in community? I don't know. And I don't have a way of checking. It, yeah, sorry. I, I'm the one with the internet, but her eyes are blue in this glow snap that I'm looking at. But if you look at Allison Brie um, from Community, I'm, I'm trying to see if you can actually see. No, I think her eyes are brown. No, she does have brown eyes. It's colored contacts. So that's why I didn't recognize her, obviously. Oh, just the eyes, of course. It wasn't the weight she lost. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right. The eyes Scott. are the window to the soul, Neil. I don't. I don't waste my time looking at a woman's body 
<laughs> Do you tell that to Sierra? <laughs> I don't waste my time looking at your body. <laughs> get she does those have away eyes, from me. So get, I don't. I don't even feel bad. Get your hands away from me. <laughs> I only want your eyes. <laughs> what is this ice cream scooper for? Your eyes, of course. <laughs> well, that turned dark. <laughs> All right, so yeah, I did. I don't know who the hell Allison Brie is, so I just took a look at some pictures, and she doesn't look. Holy shit! You need to watch Community then. Oh, yeah. If not, uh, oh, God, I can't remember the actor's name in Community. There's a guy that I follow. Well, obviously, (laughs) Donald Glover. But there's another guy that. uh, Moped? I don't know his real name. Moped. Like the guy with the curly hair? Oh, no, uh, no. no, never mind. I I thought you said Mophead. And I was like, yeah, the curly hair guy. Curly hair guy from Community? Yeah, I don't think he was a major character, but he's done a lot of online comedy uh youtube videos with like a small like not so relevant like comedy trope or troop or whatever you call it it's a really yeah, good their their basic cast troop. lineup is what is it it's allison brie and uh donald glover obviously also known as childish gambino they Rest have joel peace, McHale, who i only know from the soup um jillian jacobs danny pudi is the guy who plays abed They've got Chevy Chase, who's like the worst character ever. And then uh, Ken Jeong and, um, oh, shoot, what's the the Dean's, uh, I think, oh, he's Jim Rash. Okay. And then Yvette Nicole Brown. And like, that's the, that's the basic lineup. That show's hilarious, Neil. It's, oh, it is. It's so worth watching. All I can say is pop, pop. At some point. <laughs> I've seen enough of Allison Bree's cleavage now to, uh for for a lifetime i think uh thanks Google oh no images. annie's boobs is is actually an inside joke in that show <laughs> I, okay i'm glad because <laughs> i i looked up paintball i like i was going to wherever google images was recommending me to and it ended with allison brie community paintball those words in that order and just every shot it seems like or not every shot but every other shot was like here's a lot of cleavage in your face Oh, yeah. Annie's boobs isn't actually even about Allison Bree's breasts. That's the best part about the joke. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Okay. Anyways, moving on from there. Uh, Glow, good show. Can you describe to me like what the premise is? Um, a down under luck actress from Omaha lives in Los Angeles. Mid 80s. Can't get a role because she just looks common. So, which is Allison Brie, I'm assuming, which is Allison Brie, and she gets cast for a show called Glow, which is going to, which is a knock on the WWF, WWE around that time. So, Hulk Hogan was really huge, Andre the Giant, Gorgeous George, things like that. And basically, they're just learning how to wrestle and glow. They're, they're just learning how to wrestle and trying to put on this show and have it record. They've got like five weeks to do it, and there's lots of backstory going on. and yeah. Character development. Yeah. It's great. Past histories. Problems being solved. New ones being found. Yeah, yeah. General show structure. <laughs> Are you going to watch the second episode of Castlevania? No. It was bad. It wasn't good? Okay. <laughs> Meaning it was... <laughs> is there any reason you don't want to say it was bad because it wasn't really bad like it had 
good art. <laughs> I'm not doing this show justice. It's like I was kind of sleepy when I started the show, and it didn't help my kind of sleepiness. And there was like a lot of setup of a lot of things. Like it was kind of interesting watching the transformation of who I'm guessing the main bad guy is of the Castlevania series. Dracula? Yeah. And the main character of the Castlevania series might... There are a bunch, but that would be Trevor in this case. I think he showed up Belmont. Yeah, 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 Belmont. Uh, But then I also heard that Alucard's in it as well. Possibly. There were a lot of names being thrown around. Uh, Mr. Tepish lost his wife, got angry, told the humans they got a year to pack this shit up and leave. They didn't. So, you know, life. But So I started the episode sleepy and I ended the episode sleepy. So I can't really, like, say yay or nay. I was kind of bored. Lots of backstory. Lots of talking, some action, really good animation. It's like a really, really crisp art style. I really like that. Good sound design. Great lighting. (laughs) (laughs) Every reason you could watch a show, it's good, except it's boring. Kind of, and it might not even be boring. Like I said, I was sleeping when I started it. It didn't help. Then I was sleeping when I started glow, and I was like, you know, I might just take a nap during glow. If it's not good, then Annie's boobs <laughs> were quite literally in that show. And then, you know, the rest is history. It's a good show. It's a good show. What else have you been up to this week? I bought spray paint. Gonna graffiti up some places? Mm-hmm. The garage? Yes, and someplace else. Because I got this glow-in-the-dark spray paint, but it's not really going to glow-in-the-dark unless it's, like, exposed to sunlight. So I'm going to have to, like, really do some illegal shit. Set up some elaborate mirrors. Yeah, but then I'd have to keep my garage open all day. Oh, then I guess the mirrors wouldn't be elaborate enough. I'd have to, like, set the mirror first mirror up in the front yard, pull it all the way through the backyard, and throw it into the little window that's in my garage. <laughs> exactly. Or or do a really elaborate set going from like your front living room window through the living room down to the foyer or foyer and then down the stairs and through the door to the garage. Ooh, I like that setup even more now actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Incredible machine. Too bad it's only going to be good for like 1 hour tops. And then the angle changes slightly. I'm not even going to give it an hour. I'm going to give it maybe like a minute and a half. <laughs> Scott, do you want to go first? or About what I've been doing this week? Yeah, yeah. I hear you've been out camping. Yeah, man. I've got some really beautiful pics. I'm going to try and put up on the uh, company Slack chat sometime soon. Uh, let's see. The main highlights from camping that I won't go into details with boring you, I made like a three-mile hike uh, one way up to this uh, like secluded waterfall area and then swam in the pool beneath the waterfall and the water was like glacial cold. And, and that's the other beautiful thing I love about water in Montana is it's like in most areas, if you find flowing water, it's normally... Uh, pretty rocky in the rivers so there's not a bunch of silt 
So it's often like almost crystal clear, like really, really clear. And this stuff, you know, you could see a foot in pretty easily and just straight to the bottom had, you know, no, uh, opacity whatsoever or wait, no opacity. I'm sorry. Opacity is when something you can see through it. So it had a hundred percent opacity pretty much, but I, I oh, was no, in this. No, it's the no. other way around. Yeah. Yeah. You were oh, right the first shit. time. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, I, I shouldn't have let myself get confused. I knew my instincts were right. Um, yeah. So anyway, it, it was uh, completely clear, colorless. And uh, I hopped in this like waterfall pool and it was so cold. I almost couldn't breathe. Like I was floating on my back. I had waterfall crashing like over above my head, maybe a foot and a half, two feet behind me. And I'm freezing to death in like half a second from how cold it was. Was so. it because you were naked? I was not naked. No, th- this was an area where like other people could gather at the falls. And so s- I saw some people had gotten in there and they looked very refreshed. And it was like almost 100 degrees out that day. It was like 95 or 96 when I think we finally got there. But I snuck off in into uh, a woody area, banged up my feet a bunch, walking barefoot out to there and then sw- swapped into some swim trunks before I uh, hopped into the water. But someone was like, lie on your back and float. It's amazing. So I did that. And they just got to see me like gasp for air because it was so cold. I couldn't breathe. I was doing the little like. (laughs) 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 So So I did that for a little bit. And then after I couldn't feel my extremities, which was like maybe a minute and a half later, I I climbed out. And and after gashing my leg against a rock, I uh, ended up just kind of relaxing in the sun by this spot and then hiking back. And on the way up there, I found a spot that's like, it's a hike-in camping spot right next to this almost lake area that was gorgeous. So I picked some like wild huckleberries and ate ate some for lunch and then decided that I wanted to hike back up there with uh, Sierra and like camp out there for a night. But I need to get a flare gun first to like take down a bear if, if our campsite gets compromised. Also, I hear if you get attacked by wolves, you can throw a torch at it, and it and it might scare them away. It might. I've never <laughs> seen it done. But <laughs> in my limited experience with bears, thanks to MGS five, I know it can take quite a handful of sniper rifle rounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is like I really, really would love to camp up there, but that is it is like a bear territory area. Like you're supposed to make a lot of noise when you're walking on the trail and stuff so they can hear you. And they have signs like giving an identification between the differences of a uh, grizzly bear and like a black bear. Um, because black bears so are more was, dangerous, right? No, black bears are way less dangerous. Like if you bump into a black bear, chances are you're going to be just fine. You bump into a grizzly bear, I'm going to start yelling at that bear and getting the hell out of there if I can help it. Black bears are way more docile. Sounds like a and great fucking plan. <laughs> Go camp yeah. with some bears. Well, and so that's the thing. It's like I'm sort of reluctant to do that. It's a high enough traffic area in the summer here. But, you know, if you're like staying the night in this camping spot, I do question how uh, how Campable. safe it is with bears around. Right. Not to mention part of the act of camping is also eating and having food. Right. And you don't want to attract bears. But if we can, I mean, we can probably keep it low key. I'd want to do it for just one night. So... You make ramen, the bear is not going to come. The bear is afraid of sodium. Maybe that's the key. 
but anyway, that's that's the majority of what I did. Like I I hung out um, outdoors and and enjoyed just the nice weather. But besides that, I haven't done too much else. Besides, I've been uh, finishing up Hollow Knight. I'm I'm at the point where I can access all of the map and I've explored. I think all of it or almost all of it. I mean, I, I, I say almost all of it actually, because I know there's one area left, but it's probably only a handful of like rooms, so to speak. And so once I'm done with that, I believe I fight the final boss for the game and I'm, I'm done sort of until I access the other two uh, possible endings for it. Oh, there are multiple endings. There are multiple endings. And it sent this, this game is like more and more dark souls with every, every, uh, inch i progress in it story wise it's pretty cool um i do not know what the three endings are i just know that there's one that you get for completing the game kind of vanilla and then there's another one you get for completing the game after getting a secret item or two which i have one part of the secret item necessary so i need to get the second one which I don't think is accessible until I finish it the first time. So that's that's good that it's kind of locked off, I think. Uh, and if it, if it is accessible, I'm going to go to the final boss after I get this last little step done so I don't accidentally lock myself out of that ending. Because I had read um, a spoiler-free like heads-up that just said, once, you have, once you've kind of put together what you need for the second ending, you cannot go back to the first one. So I want to access the first one first and then do the second one. And the third one's supposed to be a little more involved. And so I'll figure out how to do that afterward. But then I'm done with the game at that point. And it's been, it's been a good ride. I've had fun. We'll have to talk about it more once you've reached that point. Of course. Yeah. And I will also say, Cookie, if you spend some time out camping, I love camping. I really do. Like it, I just have a greater and greater appreciation for the great outdoors the more time I spend out in it. But I won't kid myself for a second that I didn't think like, when I get home, I think I want to play some more of the long dark because that's kind of <laughs> like camping too. <laughs> so so do you think you can, you'll be able to uh, translate your real life camping experience to your long dark camping experience? Well, I know I uh, start fires a lot better in the real, in, in the real world than I do in the long dark. So I oh, don't know. I'm proud of you. I'm proud yeah, of well, you. it's it's a lot easier when uh, I'm not fighting against some RNG on fire <laughs> success, Stupid and I also guy. don't have to start out as a novice every time I uh, start a fire. I guess I start out as a novice every time I spawn, but I only spawn once. So that's I that's guess what that's you how think. it goes. <laughs> this is your this is this is Scott's playthrough plus. <laughs> nice. What have you been up to, Neil? So there's a game uh there's a game that Cookie mentioned last week called Uncanny Valley. And I've gotten a handful of hours into that game, which is a weird hybrid between 8-bit and 16-bit art with the combination of like more modern lighting effects. Uh j- just like so many other games do out there where they embrace that pixel art style. Uh but it you can't say it's it's necessarily 16-bit because the pixels are like awkwardly larger than they would be on like a Super Nintendo. I, I could be wrong, but... Um, and it utilizes zooms, different like 
different zoom in in and outs, I guess you could say. So like sometimes it's very pixelated. Sometimes it's not so much. But uh, when Cookie was telling me about this game, I can't remember if he did this on a, uh, like on the podcast itself or not, but he was talking about his uncertainty with the game systems and when monsters would, would spawn and stuff. And I think that just made me way more scared of what this game was going to be because uh, I was like overworking myself to the point of elevated heartbeat even <laughs> in like the opening scenes uh, in broad daylight and uh, I, I couldn't play the game in the dead of night. In hindsight, I, I probably overreacted quite a bit. A little bit. But the game is interesting because you more or less have this ominous history with your main character named Tom as he uh, decides to take up a remote security job as essentially the night patrol. Wait, what do you mean by remote? He has to leave town. He takes a train to get to uh, an undisclosed location where he then meets up with the regular patrolman, like the day shift, uh, who takes you with his shitty-looking red car over this like uh, snowy, foresty area to this complex that you then are basically given absolutely no instruction on how (laughs) things work in a game, gamey way. Yep. He just tells you, okay, go and get your get your uniform and you look like a security patrol guy you know with your blue and your black tie and your hat uh you don't get a gun you get a flashlight and he basically tells you if anything uh is similar to doom 3 unfortunately uh i know you get a gun because it gives you the controls at the start of the game like you get all the controls so i know you get a gun there's a fire control or something yep there well you you have to yeah you have to aim and then shoot so on keyboard, I mean, on controller, I'm sure it's fine. Like, it's easy to do. But on keyboard, I have to hold control and then hit E to shoot. The problem is that I'm also going to be using Wasad to move. Well, looks like you're not moving comfortably to the uh, right if you're doing that. <laughs> or in any direction, really. I, I, well, that's the thing. I don't know if I have to be stationary when I fire because I haven't had a gun yet. Uh, but oh, I've gone- you're right. There, there is no good way to uh, do any sort of lateral movement with your finger on control. Like, I'm assuming you're doing pinky on control, pointer on E, and I can't think of a comfortable way to hit anything but W. Right. <laughs> I mean, there are some clawy ways I can do this. I play League, so... And you play League. I'm, I'm sure you, we could invent something that would work. But no, 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 no. When I play League, I just smash the keyboard. It turns <laughs> out and there are certain champions that really don't need, like, you just know, you have to know the order in which you smash. Do you smash from the left or do you smash from the right? Or, and, and what diagonal do you want to do? We'll, we'll talk about that put, soon. We'll yeah. talk about that soon. Uh, but so, yeah, the, the game is very, very ominous and it's not really as scary once you get a feel for it. It doesn't seem like there are enemies at all during the the waking hours, but during the night or the dream hours, there are some terrors happening. I've played the first three days a couple times now because I realized immediately I was not getting anything done properly the first time through. Exactly. But I'll also say, I don't think you have to do anything because uh, I scoured the entire building in my first night and or day zero because i don't think it has a day number and the next day you have day one 
I got a bunch of cassette tapes. You start listening to those cassette tapes, and I did that on day one, and I only listened to the cassette tapes. I didn't do anything else with one story-related exception. Buck is getting Buck is the other security guard. He gets mad at you no matter what. Like it's scripted. So I don't think he actually or the game actually tracks where you go. Cause I've I slept one I've accidentally uh, thinking that it wouldn't matter, went to bed immediately after waking up one day and it seemed to preside <laughs> like it seemed to carry on the exact same way it would have if I had gotten up and done my rounds. Uh but the ominous thing that this game does is when you start it, it says basically that all of your actions will have consequences or something to that effect in the same way that Telltale does it. So you don't necessarily know if it's true or not. <laughs> there certainly seems to be some sort of element of replayability because some small things have changed here and there from my first and second time through. And those cassette tapes, I don't know if you've listened to them yet, Cookie, I've but they're... To- three of them and they really make me question and theorize what's going on that's the interesting part of the game because like the gameplay itself and the mechanics are bad even the way it tracks time is terrible instead of giving you like a clock that's like oh it's 8 p.m you have to go to bed around 6 a.m or something you have five units of time left and they happen to be 60 seconds long and there's no denotion over like you know this sec this unit of time is one hour no that that's not the case it's just you have five or six units every day or every night that you work and you have a second counter beside it and it again like it never explains the system it never explains that you're going to like when you're going to pass out i'm assuming you pass out because i think you said something about that so you know how to go to sleep i don't know how to go to sleep i did my rounds the day zero got all the way back to my bed and he's like oh don't want to slack off on my first day and then he passes out right by the door of his house so you have to wait until the time is at zero and then he'll say well my shift is over i better get some sleep then you can go but go to bed but that Mm. only on the first night for some reason or day zero or whatever okay i have a lot of theories about that game formulating and i think they're all wrong but (laughs) Maybe we'll talk about that off air. I'm not really I'll, sure. I'll, I'll, p- I'll repick up the game now that I know that I'm not doing things wrong. I just assumed I was doing everything wrong. So I was like, fuck this game. And then Glow. Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, yeah. Wait, did you actually start watching Murder, She Wrote? No. Oh, okay. You were using that as, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so anyways, uh, enough about that game. I'll, I'm sure I'll have more to say. It's interesting within the story aspect. I don't really like the game at all, though. <laughs> uh, it's pretty. So I've been playing League of Legends again. Uh, I I stopped playing League when I moved in with Tiffany because their internet drops out whenever anyone uses a microwave. Their internet drops out whenever someone flushes a toilet. (laughs) So obviously playing, you know, ranked is not a viable option at that point. And it kind of, it kind of just kicked me out of League entirely. Uh, But it occurred to me, no one gives a shit in ARAM. So I've been playing some ARAM and God, man, I've really been, I've really missed League. And I uh, have to define ARAM. ARAM is all random, random, all mid. Oh, okay. So you end up with some weird team comps and champions you wouldn't necessarily play. Uh, Yeah, sometimes the team comp is amazing. Sometimes it's utter garbage. Either way, it's always a shit show. And I think that's part of the appeal for sure. 
I really like A Rams, but I can also understand if you're someone who likes to play ranked a lot, that might not be your ideal place to play. Oh, it, it's definitely not, but it's been useful because I just don't have the the Thirst. mechanics right now. The like the knowledge of the current game meta. So A Rams teaching me about what the new what the new skills are for certain reworked champions and what the new items are. Oh yeah, but. that's definitely the benefit I gleaned from ARAM as well. Is once I've played an A I, I have a small enough roster that playing the ARAM lets me really get good with the champions that I have accessible. And so I've been able with with the uh, introduction of ARAM to see my score yeah, or your letter grade go up pretty considerably. It's it's hard to play a game without getting, you know, like a high letter rank with some of my more common champs. And then it's nice to see with some other ones that I don't play as often, they move up from, you know, being maybe a D or a C to a B or an A more commonly. It's, it's like, it's the ultimate, uh, like, way to play and learn a champion without being stuck in a lane for up to 45 minutes. And it's a lot more fun than bots. Good God, being stuck in lane, like laning for 45 minutes, that sounds horrible. Oh, it's it's happened enough for me to complain about it. Well, speaking of League, let's get into our first hot pot issue of the day or week. So the Overwatch Professional League now has seven official teams on the books as of this week. Uh, Three of those teams will have current professional sports franchise owners. Robert Kraft of the New England Patriots. Jeff Wilpon of the New York City Mets. And uh, also, um, I can't remember who it was, and I apparently don't have it on the docket, but the Miami Heat of the NBA uh, also have a stake in the Misfits Overwatch team. Each of these teams are going to have a city attached to them, like you know, New England or Boston, New York City, Miami. Uh, I think we also have one in Seoul, Korea, and so on. But... Official league play is still going to take place in L.A., meaning that you'd imagine that teams would likely live near L.A. or within the northern or southern? Southern? I don't know. California area. It's about mid. And then, assumingly, back to the representative cities during the offseason. A much higher ratio of spectators watch competitive gaming through online streaming than uh, in, instead of uh, in-person and that that's probably true of every sport like football and baseball and so forth, but it's a much higher ratio where you can fit in tens of thousands of people in even the most modest stadiums. You have maybe a hundred people in your typical eSport eSport. I hate that competitive gaming studio. I'm not talking about like when it's at Staples Center because not every match is going to be at Staples Center or at a stadium. Why not? Well, because there's just not enough people watching. Why not? <laughs> My first question is, do you guys think it's even necessary to have city associations to these teams at this point? Yes. This is me kind of playing the weird straw of this one, but I'm guessing with a city association, that's kind of how people with normal sports get into their team. Yeah, that's, that's how you cultivate fans. Because you say, hey... You live in this place, you got to support this team, basically. But yeah, do you- it might be... Do you think it's it's probably partially from... I don't know how long you've been in Omaha, Neil, but it, when you're in a city that doesn't have a professional sports team, it's less of a deal 
especially somewhere like Omaha, where it's pretty midway between, say, Chicago or Minneapolis or Denver or Kansas City. Um, people are pretty diverse in the teams that they like. But when you do go to a big city, um, like if you go to Chicago, you're going to have a hard time finding someone who's not like a White Sox or a Cubs fan, right? And probably most of the people you meet on the street will be Bulls fans. When you when you claim a city, you get to claim part of that population as your fans pretty much outright because of, you know, like home pride. It's kind of like, so with uh, Nebraska football yeah, for their the corn college, Cornhuskers. So if you go to Atlanta, there are two major, two major colleges there. They don't sell any paraphernalia for either college because they'd have to sell it for both. Like if you go into like a Target... There's no um, Buzz or the Bulldog, Bubble Bean, Bulldog. But yeah, either way. So I, I get you with that, but I just wonder if it's maybe too early to try and apply traditional sports. Fran- when I say franchise- franchising, I don't necessarily mean the business model, but like city or location-based franchising methodology here. I also think that like, this whole development too is interesting considering that they, they never announced specifically what their franchising fee was going to be, but a lot of the, we'll say more popular and more established, uh, overwatch teams, uh, those of which included uh, TSM complexity, denial, esports, uh, Dignitas as well, if I'm not mistaken, but a handful of them ended up dropping their overwatch teams because, uh, as the rumors say, they had franchise fees as high as $20 million as well as some other things like they wouldn't have revenue sharing until 2020, I think was what one of the rumors claims. Yeah. And to to buy in that much when in comparison, the NALCS buy-in for league was $1.8 million, I think specifically, not to mention that that's in their sixth or seventh year of competitive league play. It, It just seems like surprising that, people are willing to invest that much money in some in more or less untested waters at this point. You're right. That I mean that is a lot of skin to put into the game, especially when you compare it to a counterpart that like league that draws so much attention already and and has minuscule fees in comparison if if these rumors are true with those prices. The New England Patriots, uh, Robert Kraft, and this uh, the Mets owner like buying into this. Do you think they? Do you think they're doing it because because it might pan out really well, but it's still not that big of a buy-in to worry about? Or is this is this staking a pretty hefty bet and risk on Overwatch honestly being that popular? It would have to be at least as popular as League, right? You would imagine at least. Yeah. And I it probably isn't a big dent to them if it fails because I mean I was about to say tax write offs at that point. Yeah, and like the NFL in comparison is like billions of dollars in terms of like as yeah. an industry. But it also has a lot, a lot more recognition than Overwatch. Go big or go home, Neil. Go big or go home. I know a sounds l- like it. I know one of the things uh following this this announcement was further criticism towards the lack of like a dedicated spectator mode or a spectator uh, feature set, if you will. 
but it, it, it's hard for me to discuss too much into that because I like the only competitive first person shooter game I've been able to watch any length of time was CSGO and it it's just purely based on the fact that it's sudden or not sudden death but it's uh quick yeah it's it's one quick life to and, live yeah one life thank you YOLO you, <laughs> you truly do only live once uh and then the next round starts exactly <laughs> but it's a lot easier to understand where a match is going because oh there are three people dead and there's one person dead on the other team so when there's a big comeback you know it because one guy just offed five other people i think that's the same size and the tension of people um of it of it reducing down to one or two players left on a team it also adds to that by being able to give the players that are remaining more attention and screen time and so it kind of works in narrowing itself down towards the most like in intense or interesting moments as well, because the other players who got knocked out aren't performing as well. That's pretty much what you can argue. And, and so it's as with the single life, it's a way to kind of always drive forward the narrative of how the game is going by who's surviving. Yeah, exactly. When you are and, at and the Overwatch, you can't excitement. Like your heightened excitement of the last two people alive, it's there because they are the only two people alive. You're not going to spectate over a dead corpse. You might not even be able to do that technically. I, was about but. To say, I like spectating over dead corpses. <laughs> <laughs> if if they do make a spectator mode, it would have to be mostly focused on the point. They'd have to program it in some way that they're able to observe the point and it's a meeting its immediate surroundings, maybe a choke point that's near it. Besides that, like you cert- I don't think you can switch from all 12 players that are in a match in any way that's going to give a great and kind of whole perspective of how a match is going or a game. Not without- like you can focus on special moments, but if you're trying to watch it live... Like you've got to look at choke points and things going on. You can switch to say maybe a tracer who's going behind enemy lines to attack from, uh, you know, behind a choke point, or a Genji who does the same thing. But at the same time, like you can't keep cycling between them and the Reinhardt who's just holding his shield up, trying to move people forward towards the point. So, are you that, suggesting like a third-person camera instead? I I would think that that might be an option that comes about because I I don't see how you can just flick from each person's first person view in a 12 man game in which, yeah, sometimes there's going to be multiple people respawning. So it's easier to focus on who's still left in the game. When you have 12 going all at once, how are you supposed to determine who is the most interesting uh, camera to watch? Whose perspective has the most value to the game? That's that's a really hard call to make when there's less players. When there's 12, that's a really big kind of spance of what are they doing that is so much more important than seeing whatever what everyone else is doing. The exact phrase I read multiple times was that what Overwatch suffers from, not from a gameplay standpoint, but from a spectator sport standpoint, is that it doesn't have a ball. So if you watch yeah. basketball, football, you just center the camera on the ball. And you know you can you can catch any of the ancillary actions in replays, but without that ball, like like you said, Scott, there's no way to 
know where the action's going to go. And I think League even has this problem uh, in that they miss action on occasion, but what allows League to at least perform a little better is that the the default camera angle is already you know top down so you're able to see multiple characters or players at once and i haven't watched it that much league but isn't there a mini map with player positions revealed as well yes Mm -hmm. yeah and that helps a lot and there's no way you can give i mean you can probably do a little bit of a mini map but it won't give you near as much information since League is a two-dimensional game and Overwatch is a three-dimensional game, a 2D mini-map is going to provide a lot more information in League than it is in Overwatch. Think about just a Farah. If I see a Farah icon on a 2D map, I don't know if she has a line of sight over a wall or not. She may be in the air, she may not, and it's, it's hard to tell that. And, and there's plenty of other things, but the argument that Overwatch lacks a really clear focal point at certain times in the gameplay is by far i think the key argument that i support it's it's hard to think of certain times in my overwatch matches really where i would want to be paying attention if i weren't playing the game good points moving on you might know of edmund mcmillan his projects include super meat boy and the binding of isaac his next game the end is nigh is out now for steam on pc it has been described as a spiritual successor to Super Meat Boy. Cookie, I know you've expressed some love for Super Meat Boy. That I can barely talk. Are you guys excited for this game? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So I'm normally a pretty good bet when it comes to games that are like developed for masochists who like games that are hard and hate them. But I haven't played Super Meat Boy, and I sometimes have issues with very difficult platformers. And I, I don't know if that's because I, I lack the like dexterity or if there's something about them that's just difficult for me, but I I don't think I can play like I've seen this game and I've I don't think I can play it. Like I'm I just doubt that I have the ability to uh really progress as fast as I would like in it. So un- unfortunately it's not gonna be a game that I'm picking up. It doesn't mean that I don't think it doesn't look good it does look like it's going to be a lot of fun for people who like those super meat boy games but you don't have to do pc it's okay yeah it's it's out of it's out of the uh scope of my ability like my my talent uh is underwhelming when it comes to those platforming games i did watch some of your platforming skills in action over hollow knight oh man i can't remember was i i think i was choking pretty bad you were dying a lot i think it was spectate like (laughs) It was the nervousness of being spectated. Oh, yeah. Being watched totally messes me up on, on games pretty often, it seems. Like, I, I can perform really well. And then once I know I have a spectator, um, I, I normally start to tank a little bit on my performance. Uh, next on the list, Splatoon 2's headset adapter is available for pre-order. and has been, I should say, for $30. So that's the headset and the dongle put together. My question, because I have a very skewed opinion of audio and audio accessories at this point, is that worth it? I don't want to talk to people when I'm playing games on the Switch now. <laughs> Price-wise, I guess, yeah. But when it comes to all the rigmarole to actually set everything up and play it, it seems like more of a hassle. It seems like hooking up VR hassle without the payoff of VR. 
but see when i see that headset like i pieced out everything in terms of adapters and then potentiometers and i look at that price so that's that's a specific splatoon set of headphones with a microphone and with the the elaborate adapters to connect your phone and switch together yes it's stupid and yes, I wish they had designed the switch a little better in regards to communication over uh, over the game client. But that price is actually not bad, assuming the headphones don't sound like utter shit. That is a lot for thirty bucks. I think you're mainly just buying the dongle, and they're just throwing in the headset for free. But I think the headset's wired in to the dongle i, could I hope be the headset's not wired into the dongle oh trust me i hope it's not here, <laughs> but i think no no, it no. Is. The, the headset is not wired into the okay. dongle the headset oh. has yeah the headset's separate which is great because it's like a pretty cool headset but the dongle is awkward as fuck and the cable lengths if you've looked at them are kind of short as well you only have like I think it's 1.6 feet. Where I, just for the benefit of the doubt, and because I don't have the numbers in front of me, your phone auxiliary cable that it comes with and the switch auxiliary cable are like two feet each. And then there's the little squid-shaped dongle, the converter or adapter, whatever you want to call it. And then I think the um, headphone one, is, is it is longer, but I don't know how much longer. So... It's, it's only like three to five feet. And and that seems like if you have your uh, switch set up on its little stand and you've got like a nice big TV that's across your large living room because you're rich, um, <laughs> I don't know if that's going to reach all the way. Oh, it's definitely not. And it no. seems almost too long if you were just playing it right in front of it, like in the handheld form too. Like five feet's a lot of cable. So I'll t- I'll take every all my things back about this dongle because I haven't seen its size compared to anything. And see, I don't think it's going to be much larger than uh, much thicker than a phone, and probably half the size of your standard cell phone in terms of the width and height, or width and length, whatever. I can uh, accept that a little bit more, but I was always thinking it was going to be like the size of a cell phone. For some reason, my mind just went, it's going to be the size of a cell phone. I'm like, that's too big. And so ev- <laughs> even then, it's, it's not something that's going to be hanging. I'm assuming it's going to be like set on a table or something or on your thigh or something or I don't know. If we accept the issue of the lack of call support with the switch, like that is a problem and it's a pre-established problem. This is probably the most elegant solution because as I started to think about, well, okay, if I wanted to use my mic and my headphones with a switch that's docked, the amount of shit I'd have to hook up to get it to work. I would either need like a standalone mixer or an audio interface with internal routing like I have at home, which, you know, is like a rack mounted unit. Yeah. And just for the common person that doesn't have those things and doesn't have a background in audio engineering and recording, like that is too much to recommend not to mention if you're just buying that gear for the first time it's going to be pricey a shitty behringer mixer is going to at least cost 40 30 bucks on its own and that's without the cabling you get the adapters and the cabling you've just you know you've just doubled that at this point because the accessories oftentimes cost more than the 
or not more, but Austin costs cost more than you would expect. Yeah. Uh, and if you get shitty accessories, like we found out today, they <laughs> hardly work, apparently. Uh, all I want to say is that I'm like hunting frantically across the web to see where I got these dimensions at. And now I can't <laughs> find them. And, no. Of course. So uh, Fake news. I just yeah, want- exactly. If, I, if I'm wrong, um, you know, you can send, send us an mail, email. But yeah, I'm, I'm, if I'm wrong, then well, I'm the one who who looks foolish already. I, I'll I'll feel foolish already. But yeah, I I can't find these lengths now. I thought I had seen them on a diagram earlier, but I think we can all agree, at least for the lengths, they are going to have to be particularly long if you're going to have this headset dongle not just sitting on the floor. Um, are particularly short because yeah, you or also really think short if you want to sit it on the couch next to your switch. But then you still got to play handheld for sure. Like you can't, you can't put it on a dock that's across a room. That's going to be impossible, I think. With no matter how they do this. Our last uh, topic on the hot in the hot pot. Ark Survival's price has doubled within this last week, and it's apparently drawing up a shit storm on Steam. Cookie, you want to tell us a bit about this? So I was looking at Ark Survival the other day, thinking to myself, I want to play this. Because, you know, I'm hearing nothing but good things. So I watched about, I'm going to be honest with you, maybe like 15 minutes of gameplay. Out of the two hours of gameplay I watched, I was bored. So I I decided not to get this game. And the game at the time was $30. People were super stoked about this game because it's been in early access for the past like five years or so. And they finally announced they're going to have a release date. And with a release date comes physical copies. And with physical copies comes developers not wanting to piss off retailers. So there needs to be a price parity with physical games versus digital games, excluding things going on with the Switch. So the the price kind of doubled. And now, remember how a couple of weeks ago I was talking about the Grand Theft Auto V and how it went from heavily, heavily like... Everybody wants to play this game to mix reviews to it's now super down. Overwhelmingly negative. Yeah, it's overwhelmingly negative now. So Ark, Survival, un- Survival, Player Unknown, doesn't matter. Don't know what it's called. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, it's now at mixed reviews. It's Ark Survival, and now we're curious about how long Ark will survive. Ooh. So mixed reviews, they said they've always planned on bringing the price up to parity. But a lot of people are saying, dude, your game's broken. Why are you charging us $60 for a broken game? We want you to fix the game. Then they came out with DLC a couple of years ago, and people were angry about that because your core game is broken, and you've made DLC that costs $20 when the game costs $20. Yeah, stop that. If you have any questions or corrections for us, as we previously alluded to, you can contact us at podcast at fancyramen.com. You can also comment on our YouTube videos or on fancyramen.com through the WordPress comment system. Also, we have a Facebook page. If you enjoyed the show, go ahead and slap that like button. Leave us a leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts. A review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes Podcast, whatever the hell you can find us on these days. Also, tell a friend. Uh, word of mouth is probably one of the only ways we get new listeners and uh, we definitely want to keep the fancy ramen content flowing for you. Anyways, guys, it's been a pleasure. We'll see you next week. 
Bye. Bye.